All right. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm Dave. Uh, good morning to y'all. Good morning for everybody who's joining us in right now. And as we get started, where we're going to start is actually praying for a team that, that landed in Guatemala yesterday. For those of you who've been around Two Rivers for a while, you'll know that we have a church partnership down in Guatemala uh, that we've been sending teams for years over this week in particular, over Thanksgiving week, to go and participate in a uh, Bible camp where that church uh, throughout the year invests in kids, uh, both in Guatemala City and villages throughout Guatemala. And then they bring them, this is now actually their school break, runs November through December because their school year uh, matches up with the calendar year. And so they're on their summer break and they have an opportunity to go to camp. And our team is down there uh, helping put that on and uh, tell these kids about Jesus. So we're excited for them. So I'm gonna invite you to pray with me as we pray for our team that is worshiping this morning down in Guatemala City, and then it's gonna be headed out to that camp. So Father, we're grateful that you've opened the door once again, that we can join in what's going on uh, with, a, uh, with a partner in Guatemala. God, that, that this week we pray for this team and CCCG, the church there, that they would uh, be able to impact the lives of these kids, that they would understand who Jesus is and that they would encounter him in a real way. And for our team, we pray that, that they would be encouraged, that you would guard their hearts and minds, you would guard their health along the way. And, and we're just so grateful for their obedience and demonstration and what that looks like to do what you're calling them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for that. Hey, uh, we've been in a series in the book of Revelation. If you're joining us, uh, you're joining us actually at the end of a series that we've been doing all fall through the book of Revelation, but you've joined us on a good week because this week is, uh, we're going to do a review. Some of you are like, oh no, I thought all my great questions were gonna be answered. Now that's next week, okay? Next week. All your answers about the book of Revelation will be answered because what we're gonna do is we're gonna kick off a new series. You're like a new series still in Revelation and the answer is, you betcha, new series in Revelation for Christmas called The Next Christmas. And during that series, we're gonna answer questions like, what about the rapture? I gotta ask that a couple times this week. What about the rapture? Uh, what, 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 what's gonna go on? Is that a thing, not a thing? We're gonna talk about it next week. And, and, and really what we're gonna do is talk about the, the thing that Paul writes often about, this glorious hope of what is it that we what is it that we're living for? And so through that series, we'll be going through the last two chapters of the book, Revelation. This weekend, what we're gonna do, however, is we're gonna go back to the very beginning and we're gonna set the stage so that you can go this week through the book of Revelation on your own. Uh, I, talking before a service, uh, Aaron DeShazo, our worship pastor here at Harrison Lane said, folks, this is not a bye week. It's not a bye week. Some of you just heard review and you're like, oh, it's a bye week. Not a bye week. This is probably game week. This is like you've been doing practice. So this week you can get in the game. And so if you've not been reading along, now's your time. And what you'll do is as you go back through, as you read, as you listen, that's valid. In fact, at the beginning of the book, we're going to read words that say those who listen to the words of this book. So if you're just listening to it, I find it, find a ESV version online, listen along, whatever. It counts. Listening counts. In fact, the book that we call the Bible is meant to be read aloud. Some of you are like, Pfft. so if you're listening to it, you're actually doing it the right way. 
That's what it's intended to be. And so it counts. As you, as you join in this week, hopefully, what you'll do is you'll begin to hear stuff. I went back and I reread, okay? I've read this now a few times, but I went back this week and I reread. And, and it's amazing how many things start jumping off the page that didn't jump off the page before. You're gonna be like, oh. And now all these, all these lyrics that you've been singing, you're gonna be like, oh, that's where that is. Oh, that's where that, oh, that. Like the whole songs from this book, it's not even called Revelation Song. What, what, what? Yes. And hopefully what will happen is that you'll begin to get excited about this book if you're not already. Now, as we went through this series, there was a question that, that this is the question that drove the whole thing. Some of you might actually remember what the question is. If you don't, that's okay. I'm going to help you out. The question is, what do I do with this book? What do I do with this book? Like I get some of the other books, but this book, it really seems to be confusing. And I'll tell you straight up, as a teaching team, we've had a great time through this series because we've been learning. What do we do with this book along the way? Like we, like we thought we had some stuff, but then you're learning stuff. And for us, it's been a blast. If it's been a drag for you, I'm sorry. We've been having a great time. But here's, here's the secret question that we didn't tell you at the very beginning. The, the secret question, our ulterior motive, the motive that was underneath it all is this question. How do I read the revelation of Jesus? And, and here's the thing. If we had just come out and said, hey, what we're going to do in this series is teach you how to read revelation for yourself. Our fear is you'd be like, I'm out. I could never. Yeah, you could. You can. You can do this for yourself. We've, we've been teaching you over the span of months how to read this book for yourself. That's been the point. That's the goal, that you wouldn't have to have uh, some idea of what other people say this book is about, but that you would be able to engage on your own. And we've given you some tracks to run on. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when I watch a movie, I'm kind of done with it. I, I've watched a movie. Why would I watch that movie again? And even movies that I do watch again, I'm not gonna tell you what they are because it's embarrassing. It may or may not be a musical. All I'm gonna say is movies that I might watch over again, it's not necessarily because the plot was so interesting. It's because the music was cool. That's it. That was a lie. Okay, I wanna listen to the music. So, so in that, I'm not a like, movie, movie, over, over kind of person. And so then I go get my hair cut. And, and the guy who cuts my hair, he's always got a movie on or something from YouTube, but mostly a movie. And it's a movie he's probably seen, I don't know how many times, a bunch. And it's probably a movie from a series of movies. It may even be something like one of the Marvel movies where like if you jump in at Marvel movie eight, nine, 10, however many Marvel movies are out there now, some of you can be like, oh, it's this many. And how are you an idiot and don't even know? I don't even know. I lost count along the way. But if you jump in now, you're so lost because there's all these storylines that have been happening. They've been going on since the first Marvel movie. And now you jump in and you're like, who's that? And what's that have to do? And what's Thanos? And, and huh? I don't know what to do with all this. That's why many of us struggle with the book we call the revelation of Jesus. Because we're jumping in in movie 12. 
And we don't know the first part of the movie because we don't understand what happened in the, in the Old Testament. We really don't have our minds around it. And so we're jumping in at the end of the story and we've missed the first 11 episodes. And we're going, why don't I get this? If you think about it, it makes total sense why we don't get it. Complete sense. We don't get it because we don't know all the stuff that came before. And so this series has really inspired me to, like, I'm fairly familiar with the stuff that came before. And I'm like, I got to up my game. I, I need to understand more about what came before. Because it's going to help me understand as I read this book, Revelation, it's going to help me understand more and more what God is saying. And there's also, folks, there's this idea out there, like, I should just be able to pick this thing up, read a paragraph, and, and it's the word of God, and I should be able to understand it. Nowhere is that even close to being true. That is a misunderstanding of what this book is. The Bible, I heard some guys talking this week, and especially the first five books of the Bible, they're built upon the understanding that you've actually put in the work to, in those books. There's a, they would say, a heavy burden on the reader to actually have read the books. And we wonder why we don't get this book. It's because we haven't read the books. We, we don't understand it because we, we don't know what came before. And so here's, here's as you read, as you go back through this, this week, I'm gonna give you some principles as you read. Remember that the book is made up of four visions and you've only, so far in this series, we've only covered three of them. The, the fourth vision will come in the next series in chapter 21, we'll get to the fourth vision, but so far we've been through three visions and remember visions are visions. Visions are visions, and visions are filled with symbolic imagery, and symbols are meant to be symbolic. Symbols are meant to be symbolic. Now, when it comes to this, sometimes what it's easy to do is it's easy to, to jump into the, the symbols that, that appear to be realistic. It's really easy for us to jump in and go, oh, that must be real. Because could a symbol be real? Could it be both? Could something in this book be both a symbol and real? And the answer is yes. Could it be a symbol and real? Absolutely, totally possible. So in our minds, the things that appear to be realistic, those things are real. And the unrealistic things, those just must be symbols, meaning something else. But what if it's the opposite? What if there's really a four-headed creature? And the thing that seemed unrealistic is the thing that's actually real. And the thing that seemed totally realistic, like it's going to be an actual thousand years that we talked about last week, it's going to be a literal thousand years. That's what's going to happen. We'll talk about it again next week. Like the thousand years is literal because that seems realistic. What if it's the opposite? What if there's... What if there's like, we don't actually think of it that way. So, so just because something seems realistic, that doesn't mean that that's exactly what it's going to be. And so here's the principle. Read for the big picture and allow the imagery to take you on a journey. Scene by scene, picture by picture, experience the emotions, go on the ride. 
And here's a reminder, okay? If, if, you're, uh, if you're reading this book and, and you're attempting to align current events, you heard the Euphrates is drying up. Have you heard that? The Euphrates is drying up. And then you read, ooh, the Euphrates dries up. You see, boom, right there, it's happening in the days in which we live. Here's a reminder. What we must be careful not to do is spend too much time speculating as to how any of our own contemporary events may be fitted into the pictures of the revelation. The book was not intended to prophesy the existence of communist China, for example, or to give us literal details of the conclusion of history. We wanna use the principles for understanding scripture that we use in the other 65 books. We're gonna use this in this book as well. Because what we see people do is they use good, they use good, I don't know how to use, I'm sorry for using this word because um, I don't know another word. Hermeneutics, they use, they use good biblical interpretation. They use a, a solid method of understanding the scriptures in 65 books. And then they come to the book of Revelation and they punt that thing. And then they just start making stuff up. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna make stuff up. We're gonna allow the, the book of Revelation to, to, to speak to us on its own terms. And that requires that we read it and reread it and reread it and think about it and go, oh, and contemplate and understand and dig and understand and understand. And we're not looking to go, oh, if I can just crack the secret code. Folks, there's no secret code to crack. It's to understand it in the context of all of what is God, God has said. So as we walk away from this series, here's the big idea. Over, over all these past months, here's the thing. Revelation moves me as a follower of Christ to stand firm in worshiping Jesus while keeping an eye on forever. Keeping an eye on forever. I, I understand that this world is temporary. I keep an eye on forever, but what am I doing today? I'm standing firm in worshiping Jesus. That's what I'm doing. I'm standing firm in worshiping Jesus, keeping my eye on forever. And the book of Revelation, is intended to inspire that, to motivate that, to move me, to go, okay, I, 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 can, I can stand firm. And so what we're gonna do is actually go back to the, the opening of this book to the revelation of Jesus in chapter one. And I wanna encourage you, no, we're not going back through all 20 chapters. Here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud, there it was, the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear, it's okay to listen to it, and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. God intends that, that his people would be blessed by this book. And that, that is an incredibly encouraging thing, that we would experience the wholeness, that we would understand that what it looks like to live in peace, harmony with God, that we would experience the abundant life that living in harmony and peace and security with God, of what that entails. That's the intention of this book. So that means, as followers of Jesus, we need to remember this principle. As we read this book, we need to stay calm, stand firm, and don't scare the children. I stole that last part from Andy Stanley. Don't scare the kids. Don't freak out, stay calm, stand firm, and don't freak 
out. Uh, this past week, um, we, we watched, uh, some of you were part of the grandparenting um, little summit thing that we had here via simulcast. And there was a speaker from it that our staff went and watched one of the speakers. And he, he talked a lot about some really great stuff. But one of the things that he mentioned is how people are watching our lives. And specifically, he was talking to grandparents, but it was just a great principle. And if we're freaking out over stuff that we shouldn't be freaking out about, that's a problem. If we're freaking out, I'm going political, if we're freaking out over politics, we've just said, I trust government more than Jesus. And if I'm communicating that to the people in my world, I've just said, I trust government more than Jesus. Doesn't mean it's not frustrating. Doesn't mean you, you know, like you have a different view than another person. Doesn't mean it doesn't cause strife, all that. But the way in which we communicate things like that, the way that we communicate things about what's going on in the culture, the way that we ex express those worries and concerns, the way that we talk about those things demonstrate what we believe. And we shouldn't be surprised if people are like, why are you freaking out? I thought you loved Jesus. Jesus, why are you freaking out? Stay calm, stand firm. Don't scare the kids. It's a good principle, right? That's what God is calling us to. So when we, when we are reading this book, allow these opening words to set the framework. In verse four, it says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Now, I mentioned this before, but when we come to this word, amen, it just, it just kind of like it blends in right here. That word means so be it, it's a declaration. And so it's just personal opinion, but it really shouldn't just be like amen, period. Every time you see that amen, it's so be it. Let it be so. Truly, let it happen. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm communicating, I'm like, oh, so be it. Ah, uh, maybe. If, I, if I'm like, something's gonna happen, I'm like, yeah, let it be so. Yes. That's an exclamation point, not a, eh, whatever. To him be glory and dominion forever, maybe. No, truly, let it be. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, let it be, let it be, truly, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So the opening of this letter, it guides how we read the letter. And so you need to remember, go back through as you begin this week and remind yourself of all the things that you see of who Jesus is. At the very onset, what do we see? Jesus is who? The one who is, who was, who is to come. Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the first resurrected one. Jesus is the ruler over all of earth's rulers, even when it doesn't seem like it. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you. 
with a love that you can't even describe. And Jesus freed us from sin that demonstrates the love that he has for us. Jesus made us a kingdom. We're part, uh, if we uh, have new life in Christ, we're part of the eternal kingdom of God. And he made us priests before God, that, that we would be intercessors before God for other people. Praise Jesus forever and ever, truly. And there's more. Jesus is coming back and Jesus will judge the world. But as we've seen throughout this series, even so, the fact that Jesus is going to make all things right and bring his perfect judgment on the world is a reason to declare even more. Praise Jesus, truly. Now, throughout this series, you may have noticed that we get a little fired up about it. And the reason that is, is there's an urgency to the message. The one thing that this book reminds us of is that time is short. Even though it's been 2,000 years since the book was written, even though that hasn't happened yet, it says that things must soon take place. And, and soon is a period of time that says time is short. And as we've walked through this series, maybe you've noticed like we're, we're speaking with maybe a greater level of passion. Why? Because the time is short. There's urgency. And, and, and the thing that is so encouraging about this book is you get to choose teams. You can choose sides. But choosing not to choose is a choice. You have to say, I'm with the king of kings. I'm with, I'm with that guy described at the opening of the book, the one who is all the, the incredible stuff, the, the one who's invited me to be part of the everlasting kingdom of God. I wanna be with him. I'm with him. And we talked about in this series, that means bowing our lives before him, that we would bow before a king. And then when we bow before a king, we get to know God as loving father. We get to know Jesus as savior. We get to know the Holy Spirit as the empowering presence of, of Jesus himself in us, giving us a life that we never imagined was possible. All those things are true as we bow before the king. But we only have this life to make the choice. And so it's one thing to look out for forever and go, oh, those are the things that are going to happen. But the time is much shorter than that, where the scriptures are clear. Life is, is like a, a mist. It's like a vapor. It's here today. It's here today, gone tomorrow. It's very short. The, the author of Hebrews writes that just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. All of those who are in Christ uh, that will be uh, resurrected to new life, to live forever with him. But there's not a second chance for those who have chosen not to bend the knee to Christ. We need to remember that. There's, there's not a second chance. And you may have grown up in a, in a faith tradition that said there's a second chance. Well, you go to this intermediate place and you're kind of hanging out and then people can pray you in the other direction. Guess what, folks? That's not a thing. That's not in scripture. We have this life to choose to bow before Christ and experience the new life only he gives or not. And the reason we're speaking with such urgency is people need to know. They need to know. 
John writes this in his gospel, and you, you may not be familiar with church at all. It may be the first time you've been in church in years, but you are likely familiar with John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But it's really important that you would understand what comes after that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. To believe. In our world, that, that, that has developed into this idea that it's just things that I have in my head. It's a, it's a group of facts. It's, it's, it's intellectual things. We do not connect belief to what I do. It's just things in theory that are going through my mind. That is not what this word in the New Testament means. We've learned to Rivers Church. We know that, that to believe is to do. Okay, we've, we've talked about this over and over, and maybe it's the first time you've heard about it. Those who act upon, it's an active trust. Those who put their full weight upon. Those who go, um, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going all in. I'm gonna put all of my trust in Christ. I know that sounds extreme, but that's what the word means. Those who would say, I, I am not. I could never make myself right before a perfect God, but I trust that Jesus has. And as we've gone through this series, we've seen what? Jesus is the final lamb. How did Jesus conquer the enemy? By dying. He was the, the, the lamb who, who in John's gospel says, who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one who made the great exchange of, of his life for our new life that only he gives. And the way that the lion conquered was he became the lamb. We've seen it throughout this book. And we have to embrace that truth personally in order to experience the new life that he has. And so as we, as we go back this week and we reread this book, we need to remind ourselves that there's a point and the structure of the book emphasizes God's perfect plan. And so we're gonna, we're gonna go a little academic here for a second. But if you look in your bulletin, there's um, a layout of the entire book. And you might have to get a um, magnifying glass. If you didn't bring your readers, you can look at it later. Um, <laughs> I understand that it's really small, but it was really important that you'd be able to see it because this book has a literary structure. And this literary structure points us with an emphasis. Now, I wanna say straight up, people can debate this, okay? This, people may disagree with this, but people may say, ah, oh, I don't really see that, I understand that. I believe that the argument for this uh, presented by James Hamilton, who, who is, if you're like, who's James Hamilton? He was a professor of mine in, in school. Um, he's, he's really a smart thinker kind of guy. And this is called something called a, a chiasm or a chiasm, depending on who your Greek uh, teacher was in school. So if you grew up and you, you learned Greek through the Greek system in the university system, you call this letter chi. If you um, studied Greek in school, you call this letter chi or chi, uh, depending on how um, hard you wanna work at it. Um, it's an X. We'll just call it an X pattern. But it's a literary device in which the sequence of ideas is pre presented and then repeated in reverse order. And you're like, okay, it's everywhere in scripture. 
It's all over the place. This is a Hebrew storytelling technique that, that's everywhere throughout the Old Testament. And it's something that Jesus uses a lot. And so if you're reading through the scriptures, if you're reading through the Old Testament and, and, you're, and you're reading and, and things seem to get out of chronological order because some of the books in the Old Testament are outside chronological order. And if you're reading and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is out of chronological order. Who's, is this not right? Because in our world, the only way to tell a story is chronologically. Except now... There are storytelling kind of movies. What do they do? They take you to scenes and you gotta actually be paying attention. You know one of those shows that like takes you to the, it takes you to back in time and you gotta be paying attention. You can't be scrolling through Instagram and watching one of these shows, right? You can't be on the TikTok doing that and, and pay attention. You're gonna go. Phew. So what, in my house, here's what we say. We're like, okay, you can't, this isn't a scrolling show. All right, you can't, you gotta pay attention or you don't get to ask questions. You gotta pay attention to what's going on because it's flashing back and it's going forward and the storytelling is about something bigger than the timeline in which something happens and that's the book we call Revelation. And so when we're trying to squeeze our view of time and chronology into this book, there's a reason why it doesn't fit. Because it's not supposed to tell a chronology of, of a timeline of events that are going to happen. And, and so if, they, if you are listening to people and they're doing this, warning. I'm not saying don't listen to them. Listen to them. Hear what they have to say. But listen with caution going, wait a minute. There's a guy, a very famous evangelist guy. Um, I was having a conversation with him today. He was talking about watching him um, teach the book of Revelation. And he, he was saying that um, he, he got to Revelation chapter four and said, hey, that's what we see right here. Is this is where the rapture happens and the church goes and they leave. And, and then from there on, the church is no longer on earth. And he never made a case for it. He just said it like it was true. I'm like, well, it sounds to me like he didn't read the rest of the book. Because what about all the martyrs who died and they cried out and said, hey, is it time yet? And Jesus is like, nope, not time yet. What about all the people who gave their lives for the cause of the gospel in, in the midst of this book? What about all those people? So it's important that we understand there's something bigger. And man, I got all fired up this week talking about, I about broke the glass on the, on the, in the conference room. I was like, guys, check this out. This isn't just like Bible geek cool. This is super cool. Look at where it points. And as you go through, as you reread this book, I hope you walk away going, oh my, that was super cool. But not just, oh, that's, that's a cool thing. That's a cool observation. But like, oh, it points me to the point of the book. It's taking me to the pinnacle. And, and during that week, we said, this is the pinnacle of the book. It's the seventh trumpet that declares Jesus is king. When it says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. no, they said, Amen. yeah. Man, that's it. If you want to know Revelation, if you want to understand this book in a sentence, if you want to walk away with just one thing, Jesus is king forever. Forever. Yeah. 
and it all points us there. And when we live in that place, when we're living in that place of understanding that Jesus is king, we understand that worshiping Jesus is the culmination of revelation. Worshiping Jesus is the culmination of revelation. Now, in their book, How to Read the Bible, book by book, Gordon Fee and James Stewart, they, they summarize the book of Revelation this way. John gathers up all the main strands from the Old Testament and places them in the context of the new with Christ and his salvation of God's people as the centerpiece of the whole. Man, I, I want so bad for you to see this beautiful picture that has been woven throughout all scripture and culminates, man. It's like, it's like if you got a gift and it's like, okay, you wrapped it kind of, but your kid wrapped it and it's, it's really wrapped like trash. As opposed to like department store wrapping and you get a gift and it's got a bow on it, not the stick on kind of bow, but like the really big fancy bow and ribbon and whatever. And wow, they even put greenery on that thing and they did stuff and you're like, whoa, that's revelation. It's the bow to God's story. It, it ties it all together. And if you didn't believe that the 66 books of the Bible had a common thread running through the whole thing. If you, if you dig into this book and you start looking back at all of God's story, you're gonna go, wow, this is amazing. Because that's what this book is. It's amazing. Declaring that Jesus is king forever and that means worshiping Jesus is the culmination of revelation. As you walk into this week, as you, as you look to the live it out, it's super simple. Super simple. Read the book. God, what are you saying to me? Read the book. God, what are you saying to me? And especially this week as, as we prepare for Thanksgiving, we have so much to be thankful for as people, where we live, the families we have, those are all good things and we should be incredibly grateful for those and all the relationships we have, yes and amen. But especially as followers of Christ, there's something that stands above all that, like by, by far, and that is we're a people of hope. We have life in Christ. We're a people above all people to be thankful and grateful. And so that is a great opportunity this week for us to demonstrate that. And what a way for us to prepare our heart to go eat with people that we're eh, kind of okay with. <laughs> what a way for us to prepare this week but to go into this book and remind ourselves that Jesus is king and I'm one of his followers and, and, and I have new life in his name and I get to demonstrate that to other people. What a gift of all weeks that we get to demonstrate the gratitude that we have for the new life in Christ as well as all the other things that we have to be thankful for. We really can't do that though until we choose to have the new life only Jesus gives. It's where it begins. And throughout this series, we've been talking about bending the knee, bowing before. It's a, it's a heart posture to come and, and bow before. And, and you may be in a church service, but you've never bowed your life before. We wanna give you that opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm going to bow my life before. And you maybe have heard it said before, like, okay, well, you have to pray to invite Jesus into your heart. And that makes it kind of mystical and kind of a little weird. It, it, people make it just some words that I say and this magic thing happens. No, this is like, what does it look like for me to recognize I am not and I am going to bow my life and exchange my life for a new life that only Jesus gives. And I will say, Jesus, you're my king. 
and then tell someone. And so in this moment, you, you, don't, you don't have to say fancy words. You can say, Jesus, you're my king. I give my life to you. And then you can say, Jesus, would you give me somebody in my life to show me what this means? Reach out and say, okay, I, I, I have decided to follow Jesus. I've bowed my heart before a king. And then go and read Revelation, asking God, what do you want to teach me? In this moment, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to, to celebrate communion. And so in all of our venues, your venue pastor is going to come, and your venue pastor is going to, to lead you through a time of celebration of, of having new life through the, the, the Lamb of God who traded his life for your life. Here in live, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and grab your communion cup, and I am going to grab mine as well. I'll be right back. And we have time. If you, if you didn't grab one on your way in, there's time. There is gluten-free on the back left side. If you want to go up and go grab a communion cup, that's great. I invite you to go ahead and take the wafer that represents the bread at a Passover meal where, where the children of Israel would remember that God of the scriptures was the God who led them out of captivity in Egypt and set them free. And they would celebrate that by offering a sacrificial lamb. And on his final Passover meal, Jesus took that bread and said, hey, there's a new deal. And he broke that bread and he, and he blessed it. And, and, and what did he say? That, that, that people, we would experience the wholeness and fullness of who God is as he traded his body for ours. What you hold in your hand is a, is a physical reminder of a spiritual reality for all of those who trade their life for new life in Christ. His body is for you. Take and eat with a grateful heart. Go ahead and open the cup and... <clears throat> What you hold in your hand represents the blood of Christ that was poured out. The, as we've seen in Revelation, the, the lamb. And behold, there was a lamb. And that lamb was bloody. Because he had traded his life, but even more so, he had offered his blood that we would, or in order that we would be at one with God that we would finally be at peace with God. And so what you hold in your hand is also a physical reminder of a spiritual reality of the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. Take and drink with a grateful heart. And that can only lead us to one place. And so what I'm gonna do is, is invite you to go ahead and stay seated for a moment here. As we enter into worship, we're gonna remind ourselves, um, allow these words to wash over you. As we begin this song, it may be the first time that you've heard it. As we enter into a time of worship, I also wanna tell you, we're doing two songs. So just get ready to actually 
engage. Don't, don't, don't stop. Don't, it's not almost time to go. Stay in the game. God, we need your help in this moment, even to worship you. Would your spirit well up within us and inspire our praise?